Well, today we are concluding a series that we have been in for a really long time, uh, and we have called this series Jesus Is, where we are asking this, the question that we hope millions of people around the planet are asking, and that is, who is Jesus? And we've been studying a book uh, called Mark. Mark is actually one of the Gospels. Remember, the Gospels are just a firsthand account of the life and the teachings of Jesus. And so we've been walking through uh, this Gospel of Mark, and we're going to conclude today uh, by reading Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38 in our final uh, message of this series before we dive into our Christmas series next Sunday. The Bible says this, Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me uh, and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. I want to speak to you very briefly in kind of what I believe a a message that kind of summarizes this entire book of Mark. I want to talk to you today about how Jesus is the one that we follow. Jesus is the one that we follow. Let's pray together. God, I just pray, Lord, as we conclude this series, Lord, we would conclude this series, Lord, understanding and believing and knowing in our hearts, Lord God, that you are calling us to a different place, Lord, to live differently, to think differently, to act differently, Lord, and I pray, God, that life change would be the result, Lord, of all of these messages that we have walked through in the gospel of Mark. And Lord, as we leave today, we could leave different because we know that we've been with you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Well, how many of you have a Facebook page? Raise your hands if you have a, a Facebook page. Any Instagram people in the room, raise up your hands. So there are, as you, as you know, if, if you have a Facebook page or an Instagram page, you know that uh, you have followers on that page. And so, uh, you know, every once in a while... Uh, maybe you'll go and you'll check to see if you've got a few more followers than you had yesterday or, or last month or, or whatever. And so you kind of check in on that. And I just believe that if Jesus had a, a Facebook page, I think that he would have uh, more followers than any of us because Jesus had this great ability to draw crowds. In fact, uh, I did a little bit of research and I found out that Jesus actually does have a Facebook page. And uh, he's got over 3 million followers. Anybody got 3 million followers in the room? Didn't think so? So let's move on uh, from that. So Jesus actually had a lot of fans. He had, he had an ability to draw crowds. And he, ended up, he had an ability to really draw quite a few people that understood that there were great benefits when you were around Jesus. Jesus did incredible stuff like signs and wonders and miracles. He healed people. He made people feel better. I think that Jesus had this presence about him that when you are around him, you understood this is a good thing to follow Jesus. There are so many personal benefits I can gain from following Jesus. And he has this moment in the passage of scripture that that we read, and I'm going to call it a DTR moment. 
Okay, a DTR moment, if you don't know what that means, that is a determine the relationship moment. This is uh, the moment that many couples have at some point. Uh, if you're in a romantic relationship and, uh, you know, one person's thinking one thing, the other person's thinking another thing, like we have a really good friendship or we're on that line of we're starting to date or it's even getting more serious where we're talking about marriage, typically most couples will sit down and they will have a DTR moment. Let's determine the relationship. Have we come to a point in our relationship where this is an exclusive thing? Have we, have we gotten to the point where we're more serious now? So whatever that looked like for you in whatever time and day and age, maybe for you it was back in the day where you said, we're going steady, you know, and, uh, and you said, can I have your letter jacket, you know, or whatever it was. But there was a DTR moment. Everybody say DTR. Jesus is having, in this passage of Scripture, he's having a DTR moment. He wants to help the people that are following him, the large crowds that are following after him. He wants to help them understand that there is a DTR moment that they must have, where he's sitting down. And kind of what I want you to imagine this morning is that Jesus is just sitting down with you, and, and he wants to have coffee. And he walks into Starbucks, and he's got you know, whatever outfit on, some kind of a blue sash or something. And so you know as he walks in that it's Jesus. And Jesus wants to have a chat with you, and he wants to talk about what does our relationship actually look like? Is this an exclusive thing? Is this kind of a weekend thing that you do casually where you come to church when it kind of fits into your calendar? Or is this something that actually enters into your life on a week, every week basis, every day, moment by moment, kind of basis. And he walks in and he wants to have this conversation with you about what does our relationship actually consist of? What does it look like? He's wanting to do that through that throughout this passage. And basically, he wants to ask the question, and I want to ask you the question here in this room, are you a fan of Jesus or are you a follower of Jesus? Are you a fan of Jesus or are you a, a follower of Jesus? Now, Many of you automatically, you go, well, I'm, I'm, of course, pastor, I'm a follower. And so if I was to say, well, what makes you a follower? There'd be a lot of things maybe you would say. Maybe you'd say, well, I go to church. So, you know, I'm here at least 50% of the time, pastor. So I put in my time at church. So that makes me a, a follower. Or maybe you say, I voted with the right political party. So I chose the right, you know, Christian candidate, whatever that looks like for you. Or maybe you say, I I own a fish bumper sticker. I, I've got one of those fish bumper stickers on my car. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a follower of, of Jesus. Or maybe you own more than one Bible. Maybe you own like three or more Bibles in your house. Or maybe one of your ringtones is a worship song, you know. Or maybe you've got your radio set to, uh, uh, to life songs, you know, or, or whatever. Maybe under your religious views, you've, you've got... Christian, you know, and under in your Facebook page, or or maybe you say things like, "Well, just bless their heart before you speak negatively about someone," or uh, or maybe you've got some Bible verses memorized, or you pray before you, your meals, you know, and and you made sure that the family that gathered together for Thanksgiving that you said a prayer before uh, you you started that meal. Maybe you were confirmed or baptized as a child, and. All of these things, I just have to tell you that all of these things do not make you a, a Christ follower. 
In fact, what most of them make you is a part of what, what I'm going to call a Christian subculture. A Christian subculture where we've got our own stickers, we've got our own clothing gear, uh, we've got our own radio stations, we've got all of our own kind of Christian subculture stuff. But just being a part of the Christian subculture does not automatically mean that you are a follower of Jesus. In fact, I I want you to, to write this down this morning if you're taking notes. There is a difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus. You can be a fan of Jesus and not always be a follower of Jesus. See, fans want to be close enough to Christ to get the benefits of following Jesus, but not so close that it requires sacrifice from their life. Fans want to be close enough to to be spectators at a religious event on Sunday, but they don't always want to actually make a commitment that will go Monday through Saturday as well. Hello? Fans think that saying Jesus, yes to Jesus, is some kind of mental assent, if you will, or, or, or you know, just uh, some, some kind of a verbal acknowledgement where they said yes to following Jesus. But followers of Jesus actually understand that being a follower of Christ is actually a lifelong commitment that they are making. And as we look at this passage in, in Mark chapter 8, one of the things that I want to help you understand is that what Jesus is calling us to is very difficult. And we're going to get to what it means to actually pick up your cross and follow Christ. But I want you to, to know in the beginning and in the end of this little chat that we're having here today that, that, that the most important part of this passage is that Jesus is calling you into a relationship with him. He wants you to become his follower. And so Jesus did this so many different times in the New Testament where he had all these different ways of inviting people into relationship with him. And one of the the things that he says is is following him is like a, a father and a child. How many of you know a good father and a child is actually an incredible relationship, right? And so Jesus is saying, hey, following me is like a child that is following his father. The other, he uses another frame of reference about the vine and the branches, where he talks about I am the vine and you are the branches. Well, if you know anything about, you know, being vine and being branches, it's that the vine, actually the reason the vine exists is to help give nutrients to the branches so the branches grow in a healthy way. Well, that's a positive thing. That's a good thing, right? Like, we're connected to Jesus because he gives us the nutrients that we need to be connected and to follow after him. He also uses another uh, frame of reference as a good shepherd and, and sheep, that he is the good shepherd and we are the sheep. He uses all of these different kind of uh, these illustrations, if you will, to help us understand that following after him is a relationship that we get to have. It's this calling that he has where he's calling us to come follow after him in in an incredible relationship. But it's interesting that he did not begin his discourse with that. He said that he wanted us to take up our cross and to follow after him. So let's talk about that for just a second. 
let's talk about the cost of taking up your cross. Let's talk about what that means on a daily basis. Let's, let's figure out if in this room as we're having this chat where Jesus is talking to us, let's figure out if we are fans or we are followers because he, he uses this term where he actually says, deny yourself. Now, that's not like a real pleasant thing, is it? Like just, to, you know, deny yourself. That'd be like putting Thanksgiving dinner in front of all of you and saying, now, I want you to look at that dinner. I want you to smell that dinner. I want you to, uh, to see the steam coming off of the hot turkey or whatever it was that you ate. And then I want to take that plate away from you because I want you to be able to deny yourself. How many of you would call that cruelty, right? Cruelty. So it, it, this term of deny yourself is, is, seems like a difficult term. It seems like, man, what is Jesus actually saying? And why would he call us to, to deny ourselves? That doesn't sound very attractional. It doesn't sound like something maybe necessarily that we want to sign up for. And I kind of imagine the disciples, because isn't the whole goal of, of, like, uh, of Jesus' ministry, wasn't the whole goal to like add more people than, than take people away? Isn't the goal... Aren't we looking at like church growth here? Isn't it good when more people join the club, right? Isn't it good when more people fill the seats? Isn't it good when, when we add? And it seems like Jesus is actually trying to subtract here. He's trying to do addition by subtraction. It doesn't even make any sense. So I, I can imagine that some of the disciples were like, hey, Jesus, you know, after it's all over, after it's all said and done, hey, Jesus, good chat today. That was a good one, but... Maybe if we could go a little bit lighter on the whole, like, deny yourself, you know, like, could we not talk about some of the good things and some of the benefits and, 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 and what it means to be your follower and, and, uh, and can we not, like, let's go, let's revisit. Why don't we preach a message about, like, all the healings that you've done and all of the, the fun times that we've had and all the laughter that we've had with you, Jesus? Like, could we cool it on the whole, pick up your cross and follow after me? Can we cool it on the whole deny yourself part of this? Kind of reminds me of exercise equipment that maybe some of you have been tempted to buy. How many of you know there are countless things that you can buy on television, ads right now for exercise? I don't remember the latest one, something P, it starts with a Panado or, or something where there's, what's that? A Peloton, yeah, a Peloton, that's the... That's the latest one. And as I'm watching the Peloton, I'm going, that looks like the same thing, you know, as they've always had, you know, like a stationary bike with a little uh, TV attached. I'm like, isn't that the same thing? Don't they just put a new name? But anyway, uh, it, it's just interesting that when they sell you this exercise stuff, don't they sell it to you as for three payments of $19.99, you're going to lose 100 pounds, you know? You know, for three easy installments, all you have to do is just 10 minutes a day, just 12 minutes a day on this little exercise, you know, routine on this little thing. Watch this little video. If you do this little thing, you know, it's going to cause you to lose weight. And, and how many of you have ever bought into, if I just do this, it's all going to work. I'm going to be able to lose the weight. Come on, somebody. How many of you have ever bought into it? If I'll just go on this diet, if I'll just do that, it seems so easy. It seems so quick fix. In fact, it seems so gimmicky, right? 
And I, I feel like there's probably a, a pull here, a tug from the disciples to say, hey, Jesus, could we just go with the benefits? Let's just sell the benefits of this. Let's just sell the power of this. Let's just sell the benefits of having a relationship with you. And, 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 and here's the issue, and it's an issue that we have prevalent in our North American version of Christianity, and that is that when you sign up to follow Jesus, it's rainbows and butterflies, right? It's like you float on the air, you skip on the clouds, you literally wake up in the morning, and, and there's angels in your room, you know, every day, and, and life is, is better, and life is easier, and, and all of that happens, but I think the longer that you follow Jesus, the more you understand that that the, the closer and the closer you get to him, the more and more of you has to die. Hello? A really smart guy, much smarter than me, named Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote this. He said, when Jesus bids a man to follow him, he bids him come and die. So this is the part that Jesus is talking about. He's, he's saying, following after me, is like denying yourself and taking up your cross and following me. Now, he actually says take up your cross. And you got to understand, 2,000 years ago, that meant something very different than it does today. Because 2,000 years ago, they would understand that there's, there's you know, all kinds of crowds that are, st- that are standing there that day, and they'd understand, wow, that's like really intense, a little bit much for me, so I'm out. Or, wow, that's really intense, I think I can do this, or but they would have all understood it. Anybody in that is in that circle as he's connecting with people on this sermon, as he's having this DTR moment, they would have all understood that this is no joke. Because the cross was representative of literally, it would be like in today's modern day and age, it would be like, I want you to carry around the electric chair. I want you to carry around the lethal uh, injection that that people put into their veins when they are are going to kill somebody that's a murderer or whatever. It, it'd literally be like that. It's a symbol of death. It's a symbol of torture. And Jesus is saying, I want you to carry this symbol of death, and I want you to carry this symbol of torture around. Now, we use crosses today. We view, view them very differently than they did. For us, Crosses are symbolic and crosses are decorative, right? So you got to understand, they didn't like go to the jewelry store and go, oh, that's a really nice one. I like that two-carat diamond in that cross right there. If you could put that, yeah, I'm going to put that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear that as a necklace around my neck. No, they weren't dec- decorative and they weren't even just symbolic. They literally were a part of their culture. So they understood carrying a cross wasn't pretty, it actually meant Walking around with death. Walking around understanding that you are carrying your own symbol of torture. So I want just today, I want you to think about this as Justin comes today. I want you to think about this in the terms of what does it mean to actually pick up my cross, to deny myself and carry my cross and follow after Jesus. See, even, even just getting this started, don't know how to do this, okay? Well, 
So what does this mean? So think about this for a second. Well, there's several things I'm going to tell you. Okay, don't worry, guys. Everybody relax. Okay, several things that I'm going to tell you. Okay, uh, first of all, I want to tell you that this is uncomfortable. Okay, this is heavier than I thought it was. I don't remember it being this heavy. Okay, so th this is actually uncomfortable. It's it's actually digging into my shoulder a little bit, and so so carrying the cross. If you think about uh, you know to pick up your cross and to carry your cross. It's actually uncomfortable. There will be seasons, there will be times, there will be days where it is not comfortable. In fact, I can promise you this. Being a Jesus follower will place you into more uncomfortable situations than you can ever imagine. You will actually be forced out of your comfort zone more than you were before you were a Jesus follower. Ask the people that just went to Guatemala on a missions trip. If their entire missions trip was only comfortable and they just literally had, it was just, you know, they just stayed at the Radisson Inn every day and they, they had no uh, uncomfortable times and they were never forced to do things like stand up in front of a church and, and share their testimony or, or do any of that. I'm telling you that when you follow Jesus, you are going to spend much of your life being uncomfortable. And what you're going to want to do is rush through that uncomfortability like I would like to rush through this moment right now because this is more and more uncomfortable. I would say uncomfortable. The other thing about, you know, picking up your cross and, and following Jesus is it's noticeable, okay? So no, anybody that walked into this room right now and didn't have the context of what I was talking about today would, would think to themselves, why does pastor have a cross that he is carrying around right now? You, if you are a true Jesus follower, I'm going to say this. If you are a true Jesus follower, people in the world will notice that you live differently, that you think differently, that you act differently. If they haven't noticed, ask yourself if you've really picked up the cross, if you've really picked up, because you will do things differently. It will be a noticeable difference in your life. They'll, they'll notice you do things that are different than what they do. They'll notice that the priorities are different in your life. They'll notice that you talk differently. They'll notice that you want to do things like serve and, and do things like that. So the other thing I'll tell you about this is not only is it uncomfortable, not only is it noticeable, it's inconvenient, okay? I'm just going to tell you right now, this is very inconvenient, okay? It is very inconvenient. It is so inconvenient that I can't wait to put this down, okay? It's inconvenient. It's not easy. This isn't like, you know, like, oh, man, I just want to eat marshmallows and carry the cross around. I don't know where the marshmallow thing came from, but, okay? It, it, it's, this is inconvenient, and you will be inconvenienced. If you are a Jesus follower, you will spend much of your time being inconvenienced. When Jesus says things like, I want you to love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, that is so flowery and so amazing and so awesome until you get a call that you need to go run to the hospital because somebody in your small group is in the hospital, right? And so it will be inconvenient. Jesus will ask you to inconvenience yourself. 
It will, also, it will not only be uncomfortable, it will not only be inconvenient, it will also be personal. I'm going to tell you that I can't pick up my wife's cross. I can't pick up my parents' cross. My parents can't carry my cross. Every person has to carry this cross for themselves. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to carry your own cross. I'm having a hard enough time with mine. Yeah. It's very personal. And not only that, and this is what I want you to hear as the band comes forward this morning, please listen to me, is that if you're really a Jesus follower, this is permanent. This is like forever. If I decide I want to put this down because it's uncomfortable, it's inconvenient, it's noticeable, it's different, it's all of those things. If I decide I'm going to put this down, then what I'm saying is, Jesus, I only really wanted to be your fan. I, I didn't sign up for all of this. I didn't sign up for this inconvenience. I didn't sign up to be this uncomfortable. I didn't sign up to be noticed like this and to stand out of the crowd so much. And so, Jesus, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this down, okay, because Really, really what I wanted to be, Jesus, was your fan. I didn't really want to be your follower. What I really wanted was the benefits. Oh, my word, I'm so glad that's over. The benefits of following you without the cost of following you. Jesus says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now listen closely. The question that all of us have to ask is when I came to Jesus, when I said yes to being a Jesus follower, did I come to him to get something from him or to give something to him? Because you will reach a point over and over in your life where you will have an opportunity to put down your cross. All of us will have these moments where we have an opportunity to put down our cross. Moments like this. When Jesus says, I want you to end that relationship, that dating relationship that you're in because they're not a believer. They're, they don't have the same faith in me that, that you have. Moments where he asks you to follow him somewhere in mission actually go overseas on a missions trip or do something that's very uncomfortable. Moments that he says, hey, I want you to actually change your, your career path that you're on. I want you to go on a different career path than the one that you thought you were going to go to. And that career path may mean less money. It may mean that you've got to sacrifice in a different way. I want you to forgive somebody that you don't want to you to forgive someone even though they didn't say that they were sorry. I want you to make a financial 
sacrifice, like, like giving to kingdom builders. I, I want you to give me your resources so I can use your resources to build my kingdom. I want you to reach out to that person and, and I want you to share the hope of Jesus with them. I, I want you to invite them to church. I want you to become uncomfortable enough to be willing to go out on a limb and to share your faith with someone. I want you to get off the sidelines of, of just coming to church and to get in the game of actually serving at church. I, I want you to join a small group. I, I want you to go all in on building my local church. See, those are just six or seven examples, but there are examples over and over and over and those are the most simple ones i promise you they get a lot deeper and they get a lot harder the longer you follow the more he says yeah i want that too yeah i want it i want you to surrender that i know you like that i want you to surrender that yep i don't like that attitude that you got wayne i want you to give me that attitude i don't i don't like that uh that's not me yeah i want you to give up that dream that that wasn't your that wasn't my dream that was your dream wayne Give me your dream and let me build my dreams inside of you. Yep, no, I want you to stay. I want you to be uncomfortable. I want you to, I want you to do things that you necessarily wouldn't want to do. I, I, I want you to just go ahead and lean into the uncomfortability. I want you to pick up that cross. This is another moment where you get to pick up that cross, Wayne, and you get to follow after me. In essence, what you are saying to Jesus when you come to him is this. You're saying... Jesus, here's my life, a blank check. And you can write on that check whatever you want to write on that check. For those of you that are a little younger in the room, it's this method of payment that we used to use uh, where, you know, you, you actually write down what you want, how much you want to give to somebody and then, never mind, but you understand. You're saying, it's a blank check, Jesus. Whatever you want to write in the check, you get to write in the check. I'm trusting you to just write whatever you want to write on that check. Because my only goal is to pick up my cross and to follow after you. Now watch this. Remember what I said at the beginning? That he begs us, he, he asks us to come into a relationship with him. And here's where we get hung up. If your eyes are only on the cost of the cross, and the sacrifice, you will become weary, you will become burdened, you will start to live a life of legalism where you think it's all about your sacrifice and your commitment and what you do for God. And here's what that leads to. That leads to burnout, that leads to anger, and that leads to, God, this is really hard and I'm tired of this. If your eyes are only on your cross that you have to do, where a lot of Christians give up and they quit because the sacrifice is too hard. But your eyes shouldn't be on this. Your eyes should be on Jesus. And here's kind of what I compare it to as I close. Almost every year I, I take a trip into probably my favorite place on the earth called the Boundary Waters. And it's this wilderness area in Minnesota. And 
in order to get to the boundary waters, you've got to do a lot of work. You have to carry these huge bags and you got to put them in canoes and you got to row across a couple lakes. And then we get to this part of the, the, the trip where we have to do what's called a portage. And basically what you do on a portage is you, everything that you have, including the canoes, has to go either on top of your head or on your back. And you got to walk through the woods. It's not a trail. Don't think of a nice little easy trail. It's literally like you're walking over trees and stumps and through mud and through water. And you're walking. Sometimes it's raining. Sometimes it's a very difficult and treacherous journey that you could fall. You could, you could uh, stumble. Meanwhile, you're worried about bears that are, you know, any, anywhere in the woods or, or wherever. And so you're walking through the woods. And I'm telling you, it's a difficult thing. It's literally physically the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. But the reason why you're excited is because you know when I get to the other side of this, there is beauty. There is splendor. And it's interesting because as you're walking, sometimes three or four times when you're on that portage, you can look into the woods, and you, you all ever notice that sometimes when you can look through the trees, you can see a water line, you know, like like far off in the distance. It's one of those things where uh, where I, I know it's like, oh, I'm almost halfway there because I can I can start to see there's water, but there's there's water beyond those trees, beyond the hardship, beyond you know my sweat and my agony and the things that are on my back that I'm carrying or the canoe that's over my head. I can see. There's a water line that's coming. There's, I can see that I, as I get through this portage, there is some incredible scenery that I'm about to, to see. When I think about enduring the portage, when I think about that half hour, 45 minute journey of carrying those huge packs, carrying the food or carrying the canoe, when I think about that, I go, here's the questions that I ask. Why did we do this? Who in their right mind would actually pay for a trip where you would physically hurt yourself like this? What am I doing right now? Why can't we do a guy's trip that involves a hotel room somewhere? Is this really that fun? Is it really worth it? When I think about the weight that is on my back, I lose sight of the beauty that's in front of me. When we think of all of the sacrifice and the discomfort and the things that we have to surrender to Jesus on a weekly, daily, monthly, yearly, lifelong, everyday commitment basis, when we think of those things, We'll just be weighed down and eventually probably walk away. But when we can keep our heart and our eyes understanding there is beauty to be had in the distance. If I can focus on what's coming, if I can focus on all of that, there's incredible things happening in my future.